It's been a good day of celebration. If your heart can't celebrate now, I don't know what's wrong. There's, there's something wrong. Uh, seek some help. Uh, there's a lot to celebrate today. This weekend, my daughter Caden and I were on a walk. Caden's 11 years old, and we were walking together, and sometimes it's in those moments of a walk where there's a good conversation that comes up, and on this walk, Caden asked me this question. I could tell she was intent, and it was from her heart. She said, Dad, I don't get it. Why do people wear watches? I said, well, what, what do you mean, Caden? I'm not quite sure I understand you. She said, well, that's what phones are for. Why do people wear watches? So I tried to explain to her, I said, you know, a, a long time ago in the olden days, uh, uh, not everybody remembered to bring their phone with them. They, they didn't bring their phone with them uh, from home. It, they just couldn't do that. And, and Caden said, well, 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 why wouldn't they bring their phone with them? It just couldn't click in her mind of, of, of why you wouldn't take your phone with her. Couldn't even imagine a time when, when phones weren't mobile, let alone a time where phones had cords to them or, or a time when phones didn't have buttons, they had dials. I made me think of a t-shirt that I have that was, it was given to me. It's a picture of a floppy disk on a t-shirt that says, No child knows what this is. It's easy to look at a generation and say, You have no idea what that was like, but you know what? We too get very forgetful. It's of minimal importance if we can't remember technology of olden days. And, and some would say, I don't want to remember how it was because it's better now. But there's something that's of great importance when we get forgetful. It has a tremendous impact on us, and it's not positive. My wife and I are getting ready to go on a trip with her students from her school on an education trip. And, and one of the places on our itinerary is to go to the beaches of Normandy. And to be honest, when I saw this on the itinerary for the trip, I wasn't really that excited. I was more excited to spend an extra day in Rome. I had some New Testament history that I wanted to see there, and I thought that's where I want to spend some time. But I thought, you know what? I probably should read up. I probably should brush up on what I studied in school. And I had studied the, the battle there at Normandy. I studied D-Day, but, but I had forgotten how significant it was. As I began to read and I began to watch a documentary or two about what took place there, I, I had never lived it. It wasn't for my generation, but it was pressed on my heart. This is important. Somebody gave the very ultimate price that we could experience freedom. And it's on days like today, whether you enjoy honoring those who've gone before or not, your very freedom to make that choice, whether you're going to do it or not, was given to you by someone who laid down their life to do so. But we get forgetful. You may have known about it, but you have forgotten about it. And, and it reminds me of the children of Israel. They, too, were a forgetful people. God would work and do miraculous things in their life, and, and he would lead them out of slavery, lead them out of Egypt. And as they were delivered from Pharaoh and, and his rule, as they crossed the water, they went into the wilderness. God provided for them this manna, this food, that, this bread substance that would fall from heaven, and they would be nourished and fed in the wilderness. But yet they got tired of it. And as they got tired of the same frosted flakes from heaven over and over again, they got grumpy and they got forgetful. And pretty soon, it wasn't just a few years later, they said, it was better off back in Egypt. They forgot that they were in slavery. They forgot how bad it really was. Take your Bible and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. I want to briefly share with you a message entitled, Never Forget the Gift of True Freedom. We'll be in Galatians chapter 5 in just a moment. As you're turning there, how many have ever put together a swing set for a child in your life? Raise your hand. Let me see. If your hand is not up, don't ever attempt this. It is not a fun thing. 
I'm reminded of my friend Don who shared his experience of setting up, putting together a swing set. Here's what Don said. He said, I went to the store to, to, to get this swing set and I picked out the one that looked best for my twin boys. And as I brought it home, I had no idea what I was getting into. After he brought the boxes home, he began to unpack them. It wasn't until that moment of pulling out all the pieces that he realized he made a huge mistake. As he pulled out of the boxes, it seemed like 6,000 pipes, 28,000 bolts, 58,000 nuts and washes is what it felt like. And the instructions would have made Albert Einstein question his intellect. It was a number of days as he was trying to accommodate the, the bending parts and missing parts. And it felt like someone put pieces of a 1948 Ford in there just to confuse him. I'm not sure what would go where. Finally, the wobbly swing set was finished. And though by this time he had scraped up the knuckles on his right hand, trying to force a half-inch bolt through a 3-8-inch hole, the final blow came, however, When he read the last line of the instructions printed on the back of the sheet, it said this, Please be sure to retighten all the nuts and bolts and screws on the swing set every few weeks to ensure its safety and durability. Along with everything else my friend Don had to remember to do, now he had to devote every other Saturday to this pipe monster or else it would eat his children alive. He had no idea what this swing set was going to cost him. I can't think of better examples of materialistic slavery. It's kind of like those who have bought a boat. You tell me that the best days of of buying a boat is the day that you buy it and the day that you sell it. Every other day in between is heartache and just pouring money into a hole in the lake. The cost of ownership sometimes is one that we don't count and we don't see how much it's really going to cost us to be a part of that. But it's not just material things that we could be in bondage to, that we could be enslaved to. Our culture is riddled with all kinds of things that we think are freeing, but they actually tie us up. They bind us up. We can be in bondage. We can be in slavery to work, to our job, to our career. We can be in bondage to recreation. I will have fun at all costs. I will relax. We are going to go on vacation, and kids, you will like it. It's this idea that I'm, I must have recreation. I must have comfort. We can be in slavery to sports. If I'm going to be a good fan, if I'm going to be a good player, I've got to get absolutely every single thing that I have. We can be in slavery to the approval of others. We can be in slavery to substances of drugs and alcohol, to sex, to pleasure of any kind. And at the same time, our world is crying out and demanding more freedom to do whatever it is they want. Let's face it. We live in a hedonistic, pleasure-seeking society. See, today, the greatest thing our world needs to be freed of, the bondage that needs to be broken, is not just this list of things that I've read, but the greatest thing is to be freed from the power of sin. Because at the root of all sin is selfishness. And all these other problems come from getting what I want, when I want it, how I want it, no matter the cost. It may be labeled ultimate freedom, but it is in chains and slavery to something that you are not counting the cost to. Turn with me to the book of Galatians as we see this great word from the Apostle Paul on freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You've been set free for a purpose. It's to be free. Not to be free to go back to the chains. Now you've probably heard this taught 
preached, John proclaimed. If you've been around church for a while, you've heard this over and over again. And why this may not be new, we may have forgotten it. And we need to be reminded and we need to ask the question, what are we doing with this freedom? You may say, you know, I don't know that I've ever heard anything taught quite like this. Even if you're hearing it for the first time, it's important to be aware of this great gift of freedom. Don't forget it. Don't neglect it. What are you going to do with it? See, freedom, it's this intangible thing like love. You can't actually touch it, but you certainly know what it feels like and looks like when you have it and when you receive it. Paul describes for us these characteristics or or what it will do in us if we have true freedom. The first of which is this. True freedom, Paul tells us, will lead us to self-control. Now, there's some things that we think are freedom that are not really freedom, but true freedom will lead us to self-control. Look at Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Yet as the world cries out for more and more freedom, there's this disturbing trend taking place, and it's even seeping into the church. More and more people are experiencing freedom, it seems, throughout the world, and though we see this, there's more and more people who are doing whatever they please with no regards for boundaries or limits. They resist the idea that anybody would have the right to tell them anything because I am free. I will do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Today, there are many people who think that Christian liberty is a license to do just that, whatever they want to do. But real freedom has limits. We can think about this. You can say, I live in a free country all you want, and you may have the freedom to scream and to yell, but you don't have the freedom to yell bomb on an airplane without having some serious consequences to pay. You may have the freedom to wield your arms and fists around, but if I would punch you in the face, I I may think I have the freedom, but there's a serious consequence to pay. There is absolute freedom. It's chaos and anarchy. It does not lead to hope or wholeness, but yet true freedom has limits and boundaries. See, we live in a culture that is absolutely confused about what freedom is. Remember back in the days of Israel before they had a king? It was a similar situation that took place then. And although they had God's law, the people ignored it and did what was right in their own eyes, the scripture says. And what a bitter price they had to pay for their doing whatever they wanted. The book of Judges tells us that their disobedience resulted in pagan neighbors overcoming them. You see, today, many people, even some professing Christian, ignore God's clear revelation of himself in his word. They think they're free to come up with any picture or any idea of who God is, what he is, or what he expects. This creates moral and spiritual confusion. We must take God's word seriously. And if we show the world the freedom we have in Christ, it's not only a blessing to us, but it is a hope that we are called to extend to them. If you're taking notes, drop this phrase down. See, freedom doesn't give us the right to do whatever we please, rather, but to do what pleases God. We're given freedom so we can have the power to do what pleases God. Now, you may think that you're free because you're having fun, you're doing whatever you want, and this idea of of being committed to Christ seems so restrictive, it seems so dull. But could I suggest you're missing what true freedom is? See, through Christ we have been set free both from the penalty and the power of sin. 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as free men, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. 
Jesus didn't die on the cross so you and I could do whatever we please. He died on the cross to enable us to do what pleases God. True freedom will lead us to self-control. Second, true freedom will lead you to service. The second part of verse 13 in Galatians 5 says this, Rather, serve one another in love. In other words, Christian freedom is not a license to sin, but rather an opportunity to serve. Now this won't make sense unless you embrace this equation. You see, freedom plus love will lead you to service. If you experience true freedom from the Lord and He puts His love in your heart and you receive that, you will be compelled to serve. But try to have freedom minus love and it will lead you to slavery every time. You'll be in bondage to what you want, how you want, when you want it. You'll be in bondage to, did they receive it the way I hoped that they would? Did they deserve it or not? And you find yourself not being able to serve because you are experiencing freedom or trying to without love, and that's not what God intended. True freedom not only leads us to self-control, true freedom leads us to service. We also see that true freedom will lead us to selflessness. Galatians 5.14 The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Freedom doesn't come easily. No matter if it's the physical freedom that we experience in our country or the spiritual freedom, it always involves someone giving selfless sacrifice to accomplish that freedom. Many have selflessly given their lives for you and I to worship as we worship now. And and we may say, you know what, I never remember a time when I couldn't worship freely. It's kind of like that floppy disk on a t-shirt. I have no idea really what this thing is. In fact, what I call freedom is for me to do whatever I want to on the weekend and my boss can't tell me what to do. Those of generations who've gone before us would say, oh, freedom is so much deeper than that. And that's what led Abraham Lincoln to call for a time of remembering those who gave their life in the Civil War and remembering the great cost and the great sacrifice which was leading to what we know now is Memorial Day and what we look at this weekend. And we could do with those who have gone before us to call us to remember and not forget not only the sacrifice that's been made in our country, but not forget the great gifts that God has given to us to lead us And freedom from sin. Not freedom to get as close to it as we possibly can. True freedom will lead to the selflessness. It will lead to service. It will lead to self-control. True freedom will also lead to supernatural unity. Look at verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. You see... When you find true freedom, you'll find self-control, service, selflessness, and a supernatural unity. I don't mean just people being unified for the sake of being unified, or people just agreeing because they agree together, but it's a unity beyond what you can muster up. It's a supernatural unity that comes from the love of God placed in you. These words, bite and devour, illustrate this concept of an attacking animal that's devouring someone. See, when, when we are free as Christians... It doesn't mean that we're free to hurt one another. It doesn't mean I'm free to say whatever I want to say to you or about you. It doesn't mean that I'm free to to gossip. It doesn't mean that I'm free to text and to type whatever I think and criticize whoever I want to. In fact, the very freedom of Christ will give me a supernatural unity. Before I say it, before I type it, before I send it, will this edify the body? Will this edify Christ? Will this edify that person or not? When I'm living in true freedom and liberty, these things will come across my mind. 
See, if we're always attacking one another, Paul says we will eventually be consumed by one another. And that's not the freedom in which we were set free for. There's an old story about two snakes. It goes like this. They're both laying in the tall grass waiting for their evening dinner. And they notice each other's tail wiggling in the tall grass. Thinking that that tail was a mouse, simultaneously they attack each other's tails and begin to devour one another. You see, those who need to be claiming the greatest liberty of all are those who are following Christ. And we cannot do so if we do not allow Jesus to give us a supernatural unity for one another. Well, I have the right to my opinion. I have the right to publish it however I want to or say whatever I want to. But real freedom comes when I say I lay down my rights and I surrender to Jesus. And I say, Jesus, what would you have me do with my speech, with my text, with my email, with my influence? You see, nowhere is it more evident for there to be true freedom than the life of a Christian True freedom in believers where the law, the curse of the law, the penalty of sin and its guilt-producing power is broken. Fear and anxiety and guilt are replaced by peace and forgiveness and liberty. Who could be more freed than the Spirit-filled believer? But here's where we often fail. It's not that we're not aware of freedom. It's not that we haven't even experienced the taste of freedom. But we use freedom's luxury to live selfishly. We claim ownership of what God has merely entrusted to us. We slip into patterns of self-indulgent living, especially in a fluent society like we live in today. See, the proper use of freedom is faith working through love to serve one another. When we rely on the Spirit, we expend our energies on loving God and helping others. This, this divisive Destructive work of the flesh will be restrained by God himself. So let us use our liberty to build one another up and not tear one another down. I say all that to say this this morning in closing. If you are a Christian, if you have experienced the freedom in Christ, don't forget what true freedom looks like. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I, I believe in God or maybe I don't believe in God, but... But I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know that I've experienced this freedom that you're talking about in Christ. I want you to know you can today. And before you get out of here and go to a picnic and eat lots of food and have fun or whatever you're going to do, maybe ride a bike, that'd be a good thing to do. Uh, but, but I think a better thing, come and take a few minutes. My wife and I, we'd love to talk with you about what relationship with Jesus means. If you're here today and you're, you're skeptical, You're not sure. I want you to know you're in a safe place. This is a good place to check out who God is. But there's a lot of you here today that you have had a taste of freedom. And so the question is not, do you know what freedom is? The question is, what are you doing with it? You see, if you refuse to allow the Lord to give you self-control, you are throwing away your freedom. If you refuse to serve God and others, you are throwing away your freedom. If you're unwilling to selflessly sacrifice and put the needs of someone else above your own, just as Jesus did, you are throwing away your freedom. If you are lacking a supernatural unity, a supernatural love, and you find yourself hurting someone else and giving yourself excuses of why you have the right to do so, you are throwing away your freedom. Church, would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you.
on this day when our nation thinks of the sacrifice that others have made, which, to be honest, Lord, feels like a very rare thing in our culture. Would you help us not be forgetful? Your word says that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And Lord, the freedoms that we experience in this country, Lord, while they came through a sacrifice made by some other man or woman, we know that you have brought that about in our life. And so we praise you for that and thank you for that. Lord, this is not lifting up our nation above you. This is lifting up and thanking you, Lord, for every gift you have given to us. In a moment to highlight... That there would be a man or a woman who would think so much of someone else that they would pay the ultimate price in laying down their life so someone after them could experience something better. Lord, it sure sounds like an attitude that you had. When you paid the price that no one else could pay for us. This freedom is more than we could claim in any citizenship here on this globe. It's the freedom that we have in you. Oh, it's a freedom that leads to self-control. Not just willy-nilly doing whatever is right in our own eyes, but because it is so good, you're calling us to use it the best way possible, and you call us to submit to you. It's a freedom, Lord, to serve. You told us you came not to be served, but to serve others. Lord, it's a, it's a freedom to selflessly sacrifice Would you help us to see how we're called to do that? And Lord, would you give us the freedom and something we can't conjure up? It's a supernatural love, a supernatural unity for one another. That we stop focusing on our rights and we start focusing on giving your love to every person we can. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of true freedom. Thank you for loving a forgetful people. Thank you for being so patient with us. It's in your name we gather. It's in your name that we have liberty. To that we say, let it be so. Amen and amen. As you take off today, hang out with family, laugh, have fun. Talk about your ultimate freedom in Christ. Share it with someone else. But go and experience the freedom that Jesus has given to you. God bless you. You're dismissed.